Hello, this is David Ladding. I'm with my friend Elijah Lamb. This is the podcast called Unto Death, hosted by me. Bro, <laughs> you're a goober. You're a goober. Finish it. Finish the intro, bro. Episode two, season two, and today we're going to be talking about the love of God. Elijah, what are your, what are your thoughts? Really, bro? Like, no... <laughs> Like straight into it. <laughs> That's um, what people want. They want straight. They just they want authenticity. They want to go right into it. Oh, I never knew that, bro. I thought people really wanted me to be like really cool. Like, really, if I'm like really cool, and if I do like a lot of alliteration and stuff, then people will like they'll like love me and respect. I think me. the Bible says something like about using super wise words when yeah. presenting the gospel. Yes, like tickling people's ears. You're supposed yes. to do that. You're supposed to make people feel better. Yes, all the time. We're on the same page. The love of God. The love of God. By the way, that was all satire. We do not believe or subscribe to any theology that equals or equivalates us to tickling people's ears. Is equivalate a real word? I don't I don't think so. I have I give wet willies though. I give a mean wet willy, but I won't tickle your ears with my preaching. A wet willy is when you put your finger in your mouth and you put your Can you cut this out? No. It's important to me. Okay, my bad. The love of God. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's it, bro. That's a good word. Well, the love of God is something that I've actually had a super hard time with my entire life. Me too. Genuinely. Um, I always viewed God as this omnipresent, all-knowing being who knew everything and every flaw about me. Which is true. Which is 100% true, but who didn't really care about me. Yeah. Um, I viewed God that he, almost like a coach. Um, it wasn't until this past year that I actually discovered that God actually loved me. And it was through the toughest season of my life that I can get into later. Um, but what what was your past experience with the Lord? How did you grow up? What was your view of God when you first got saved? Yeah, that's good. Um, man, I think I had a very uh, head knowledge understanding of the love of God. But even when I think about it, not really. I think my whole faith was head knowledge but like in a performative way where I wanted everybody to think I was really really smart and so I would you know throw bible verses at you and talk as eloquent as I could this is like you know throughout high school and I was just like ready to debate all the time and so I I wanted to feel like I knew a ton but I hadn't personally experienced the love of God where like it talks about in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 that the Holy Spirit pours the love of the Father into our hearts that's how we have a hope that, that we know will not fail um I hadn't like I obviously had experienced that at times, but didn't have like a lot of language for it. Um, and I honestly think like if I heard myself preaching about the love of God today, when I was 15, 16, even 17, I would be like, nah, nah, God's love is not like that. No, show, that's true. Show me the verse, which I can. I would I would abuse my 15 year old <laughs> self with the Bible yeah. and show him everything I had wrong. Um, but yeah, man, I was a legalist and like I knew that like theologically that God loved me because the Bible said so, but what that love was really like, um, if that love really like my, uh, my practice and my supposed belief contradicted each other. So like the way that I lived my life and the way that I spoke and the way that I prayed, uh, the way that I worshiped even proved that I didn't really believe in my heart, the things that I was saying about God's love. And even when I was saying things, I was deeply undershooting it. And I had this, honestly, bro, this is crazy. I grew up around a lot of this, like, modern preachers. They don't talk enough about hell. They don't talk enough about the wrath of God. Yeah. Which, there's a level, like, a level of truth to that. Um, but I find that those preachers normally don't have, like, super deep revelation of God's love. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, and so I grew up in that, and I, I thought that God's love could be overemphasized. That's so true. That's wow. That's the craziest thing in the world to think that that would even be possible. That I, as a preacher, could overemphasize God's that I could talk too much about it. I would make fun of people for like, and like not you know, like point my finger at some weird high school musical way, but like genuinely, like in my heart, say when people would talk about the love of God, I'm like, God is all powerful. You don't even know who you're talking to. Yeah, like every time someone preached the love of God, in my head, it had to come with the cushion of yeah, but He also has wrath. Always. He's also just. And I'm he's like, a shepherd, but like, he's also you know, a God of justice. Th- those things are true. But First John says God is love. Yeah. And I can delight in the fact that God is love. And I can, there's no em- over, em- you, cause, because it, this is what we, I mean, this is like a, a deeper concept about like divine simplicity and like God isn't like made up of parts. 
He is love. That is, so when, when I'm, I'm not talking about a part of God, I'm talking about who God is in his very being, like, you know? And so through John, the beloved apostle, the, the apostle that the disciple that Jesus loved his bestie, Jesus's best friend decided that the best way to describe God was by saying that God is love. It's the highest definition of what that word means, you know? And so if John didn't think, I mean, the whole book is about loving like God's love and rightly responding to that love. If John, the best friend of Jesus didn't, couldn't overemphasize it, then I certainly can't. Um, yeah. I think I just hadn't experienced God's love enough to where I could actually talk about it for more than like 15 minutes. Yeah. There's <laughs> no way. my problem. Yeah. So I, I kind of grew up in the same way of Elijah. Um, I, I mean, you guys probably know me if you've been watching any of my stuff. Very existential, very uh, uh, intense person. Um, so when I when I really believed in God, it was so hard for me to understand that He actually loves me. Um, my really first encounter with God and His love, and for those of you who are not charismatics, I just had an image pop in my head. But for everyone else, I had a I had a vision. I had a vision of of me in a field and I was about 20 feet away from Jesus Um, Jesus was sitting on a stone bench and I was I was on the ground no no I was actually I was on my own bench Um, I promise you I'm not making this up and um, Jesus was looking at me and it was it was right after a crazy moment so when I got saved, I would walk around in a field for like hours mm-hmm. and just listen to Francis Chan. And I got this crazy opportunity to meet Francis Chan. And then I met Francis Chan way earlier than I thought I would ever, I would ever do. I thought I would like meet him when I was dead um, in heaven, but I got to meet him when I was like 18. So I was just so stoked. Um, and I was just overcome by the love of God. And I had all these doors finally open up. Um, like not that TikTok isn't real ministry, but like, actually like in-person stuff and crazy time in my life. I was really just getting encountered by the love of, of, by the love of a father, by the love of God. And I remember basically I got this um, picture in my head, this vision, and I was screaming at Jesus, screaming, yelling at the top of my lungs. And I mean, Paul on point, I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body. I genuinely, I just know this was happening. It's the craziest thing. I was like in the Shire, like this this beautiful, beautiful meadow, and screaming at Jesus, Why do you love me? Why do you care? Screaming my head off, saying, How could you possibly love me? Um and Jesus, I remember so specifically, he just was sitting on the bench smiling. Like he knew a funny joke, but was about to say it, that kind of smile. Um, and, but that was my view. Like when the first time I encountered God's love, I was just so confused because I was baffled at the fact that God so big could love me. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later, but Elijah, do you have any thoughts? Maybe on the first time you encountered God's love, what was that like? Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I think I encountered God's love in a really, uh, a powerful way. The night I gave my life to the Lord, um, I was 14. I was on a mission trip right before high school. I was in Ensenada, Mexico, and um, still go back every year. It's awesome. Um, but they were, we were just, it was like a worship night. You know, I didn't, I didn't, when I got saved, it wasn't like there was an altar call. I grew up in the church. I knew about all this stuff, but I hadn't really, you know, made Jesus my Lord yet. He wasn't in charge of my life. You know how it goes. Um, and so throughout the week, I remember just praying, like, God, I, I really want to find you. I like, I just like need you. I know that I need you. Um, praying throughout the week. And then one of the last nights, um, they were leading worship like on and off Spanish to English. And they started playing the song tremble. And, uh, I remember I saw this girl like on her knees in front of me. I was like, that's weird. I've never seen anybody do that before. I've never seen anybody go on their knees in worship. <laughs> um, and was that a fake laugh, bro? Like, <laughs> You're a troll. You're a troll. I love messing with Elijah. You cannot see, but on the podcast, man, I just mess with this guy. It's awesome. Um, and then all of a sudden, I just, we were, bro, you're, he's like making <laughs> scary faces at me. I got to close my eyes while I talk. Um, oh, Elijah, Elijah mode activated. When Elijah closes his eyes while preaching, like, it's like, it's like Optimus Prime. <laughs> what just, is that? Just, it's, you go from like a truck to like a battle saving planet, savior robot. 
That was a horrible analogy. No, that was great. That was I take that as a high compliment. It's like um it's like Pokemon Evolve. Oh like a okay. Like a fully evolved. I got you. I get what you're yeah. saying. That's good. Um and then we're so we're worshiping. Um and uh, I just started to weep because like the weight of all the I don't know, all the everything, the brokenness, the pain, all this stuff was just kinda catching up to me and I was realizing as I was praying, like, God, I'm really tired and this is just not working and all of a sudden my, like my legs started to tremble I just felt that's ironic during the, not ironic it's just funny during the song called tremble my knees were weak and I just dropped and wept and it was the first time where I really felt and I don't know how to explain it but it was like he was sitting next to me and he was just listening and he was just taking the weight from me I was like oh man this is crazy and it was right there I was like Jesus you can have all my life um and it started right there with that like first moment. But then it's crazy, bro, to think that like, because of course the moment that I'm brought into the fold, the, the moment I become his, I enter the, I'm, I'm struck with the love immediately, immediately. Cause that's how he feels about me. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's, that's the only thing through which to frame the Bible that actually makes sense. Love is the only thing that like you look at the cross that could actually motivate and drive Jesus to go to the cross. Really? It's the only thing that makes sense. Um, yeah. And so it was, things were just clicking for me and I was realizing how much he loved me. But then over time, um, insecurity just dominated me and feelings of rejection just dominated me. And, um, I began to like reframe that experience. I was telling some buddies today. I remember I was sharing my testimony at like a D now, which is like a overnight conference thing when I was in my freshman year. This is crazy. This is, this is what I got up and told people, this is not true, but I got up and told people that the night I gave my life to the Lord, um, that basically it was like God was saying to me, I died for you. How could you be living like this? You make me sick. You're living such a disgusting life. I, I deserve better than this. I died for you. You better give me your life right now. That was how I framed that salvation experience. He would not talk like that. He And he never has. He's never, but I wanted to be the impressive emotional preacher. I wanted, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to say something profound that really got people moving. And I was listening to too many angry preachers. Um, and is ruining my life. And, but it, it's crazy how twisted my view of God, my understanding of how God viewed me became over time. And my journey, um, through coming back to, for, wow, my journey of coming back to a right view of God's love, um, you know, isn't like David's. I didn't have this like crazy vision moment. It took a lot of time. And it was progressive and there were really key important moments. Um, but it was like, as I began to study the word and there were scriptures that were come up that were, uh, they were offensive to me because they were so sweet. Like they were so gentle <laughs> and so beautiful. I was like, no way God could say things like that. They offended me. That's so cool. <laughs> it's awesome. That's he, so epic. He was so patient with me and so kind in my arrogance of like, trying to make it seem like I had everything figured out by God, uh, figured out about God that made me like twist his character is really what was happening that I was committing like a micro blasphemy basically um, by making him into someone that he wasn't and twisting in his love into something that it wasn't. Um, yeah. Very gently over time, he led me right back to the right place. And then honestly, the moment that changed my life the most was during my deepest heartbreak. Like, when I was in the most pain I've ever been in, the Lord came and loved me. I don't know how to explain it. I remember praying and I was like, God, I don't know what to pray. I don't want to read. I don't want to sing. Can you just come sit next to me? And he did. I don't know how to explain it, but it was like that salvation moment all over again. And my eyes were open to see for the first time, his love is enough for me. His love is just that good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible. And it, it's kind of the same way. There's no really magical moment. Um, this magic moment. moment, bro. The Sandlot, good movie. Sorry, keep going. Um, yeah. Uh, there's no. There's. It, I, I like to call them movie moments. I think so many of us are like, you know, the 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 movie, the hero. In one moment, he picks up the sword, or he realizes, like, wait, I can change. And within like 20, 20 minutes, he's just like a two different, like different character, and he's like yeah. awesome. The training montage. Yeah, training montage, and it's like boom, burp, done. Burp, burp, burp. And everything he does is just like first try. That's so not the Christian life. Yeah. Um. So I had that first vision of like why he loved me, and then G literally Jesus said nothing, smiled, like lovingly, and then it, the vision ended. 
Um, and there was a process and I went through my deepest and darkest moment, literally probably in my entire life. Um, genuine spiritual warfare every day thoughts, my mind, like God doesn't love you. You're, you're going to fall away. You're a fraud. You're going to end up like all these dudes who just, you know, they were so awesome. They did all this cool stuff on social media or they're preachers and they just fell away. That's going to be you. That's going to be you. Which and, is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy accusation. Um, Just, yeah, gnarly accusation. And every day, I kind of talked about it in some of the first episodes, I would grit my teeth. You know, I'd say I'd go unto death. That's why this podcast is named Unto Death. And, you know, it's not, we'll get into that later. It's really in, unpack it. Um, it's really funny because it's not our death that allows us to go. Oh, hey, hey. Um, testify. Testify. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> I, I would always say I would just every single time a lie would come against me, I would say I'll go into death. I'll go into death and like gritting my teeth. And it wasn't until one moment these accusations. I remember it so specifically. It was a sunny day in Dallas, Texas during the summer, and my desk there was like four windows. It was kind of like the Oval Office, a lot smaller, not not as nice obviously, but it's just really open. And I would love to leave my blinds open and I look up to the heavens because that's where God lives. You have to pray when you, you have to look at the sky when you pray. And I'm screaming out to the Lord, God, I go into death. I go into death, gritting my gritting my teeth and my fists. And Jesus says to me very quietly, very quietly, something like this, an audible voice, genuinely an audible voice. It's because it interrupted me. Um, again, for those for those uh, non charismatics, I just this voice just I thought of it. Shite. That's not, not as funny as twice. <laughs> okay. I actually stole that from a Francis Chan sermon. Oh, cool. POV David Ladding two years ago. <laughs> Every TikTok. You guys don't even know. All my content was just him. Because um, all this is just a show. I don't even wow. remember my Bible. That, that needs to stay in episode one, bro. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear the audible voice of the Lord um, say, Oh, David. Don't you know that I died for you first? And it broke me. That's crazy. I go, <laughs> and I curl up in a ball, no joke, like like a fetus, just like a just like a, a fetus, <laughs> like like a little child, weeping. And in that moment, in that very moment, I got a grasp, a slight grasp, a taste of his goodness, a taste of his love. Yeah. Because for so long, for five months, anyone who knows who's going through any sort of mental torment, like a week is hard. Um, five months is gnarly. Um, I was trying so hard to grasp, to grasp, to, to, to hold on, to hold on tight. And Jesus literally said, David, don't you know that I died for you first? And I, it blew my mind. I'm like, wait, the verse that I've been reading my entire life, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's an awesome verse. Um, Romans chapter five. Every one of you should read Romans chapter five. If you get, you, you just should. Um, Romans chapter five, verse eight. And I, I want to talk about like how I actually twisted that verse and misunderstood it. Um, Romans five, verse eight says he, he proved or showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here is what I misunderstood about recognizing and seeing and knowing and experiencing God's love. Um, what it says, uh, I, I forget exactly where, there's a story where Jesus talks to the, where he's talking to the Pharisee and there is the prostitute at his feet and she's weeping and washing his feet with tears. And he says, those who have been forgiven of much love much, basically, um, which is super, It's so it's valid, but it's not the whole point. Here's what I'm getting at. I would read Romans 5, 8 and say, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And I made the point of the verse while I was still a sinner, not Christ died for me. I know that isn't, I, that sounds like I'm trying to force something profound. I'm not. The point was my whole model of being moved by God and knowing his love was just to look and be like, here's how dirty and horrible of a sinner I am. And there's a way to recognize that in a helpful way. There is a way to be like, yeah, I've fallen really short. Because that's what the Bible says. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But I was putting myself in a shame battle and becoming the shame wizard and letting Satan ruin me and just trample all over me. And I was walking myself into self-hatred 
by dwelling constantly on the sins that Jesus had already dealt with and missing the whole point of the gospel. So if you're basically what I'm what I'm trying to say here is if your metric by which you are measuring God's love is how bad of a sinner you are, that will work only to an extent. It will not go as far as God's love actually goes. Because what Paul, Paul says in Ephesians 1 is that we cannot measure the depth, height, width, or, or breadth of the love of God. That it's this unsearchable mystery that we'll be trying to get to the ends of for the rest of eternity. That's not necessarily the case for my sin. Like, obviously my sin is against an eternal God, but I've only sinned so many times. You know what I'm saying? You can, Like, eventually you'll be able to think of all of them. And that's where your understanding of God's love will stop. Um and it's, it typically is just not done in a way that I think God is actually leading us towards. It really most of the time ends in shame. The point of Romans 5 is that Christ died for us. And so I actually, if I want to know what God's love is and I want to experience God's love, it takes a constant dwelling upon the cross. And it has, you have to have the right perspective of the cross. There are lots of Christians who believe the wrong things about the cross. For example, David, What if I asked you, like three, four years ago. Why did Jesus die on the cross? What was the motivation? What would you have said? This is wild, but for his own glory. That's exactly what I would have said, which is true. 100%. It's true. A thousand percent true. But I didn't believe he loved me. Right. So that's exactly what, oh, for his own glory. But that was it. That was it. Who does he want to be glorified by? right us he dies and makes glorifiers that's the whole point that's the whole point the motivation of the cross according to hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 is the joy that lay before or was set before christ so there was a joy and inheritance for him on the other side of the cross and if you read in the book of revelation you can read in isaiah 53 that jesus by dying purchased the people for himself that isaiah 53 that the inheritance of jesus in dying was the people that that's the whole, Jesus died to make it possible for us to become his children. He died so that he could have me because he loved me and wanted me for himself. That is the whole point. But if you're if your only way of thinking about the cross is that Jesus wanted to glorify himself, which is true, but glorify himself through me in my enjoyment of him. Even you reform people can go read the Westminster Confession. The first line of the shorter catechism is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I would highly recommend um, listening to John Piper's ideas on Christian hedonism, where God is glorified when I most enjoy him, when I am most aware of his love, and when I am most in love with him, God is most glorified. Because it's not possible to glorify God unless you love him. So he actually died to make lovers, to make children, to make friends, and to create a bride that would exist for his glory out of the love that they have received by him. And so it's this it's this complete twisting of the cross, this complete twisting of Jesus dying. Anyway, and so you, you have to have the right view of the cross and you have to dwell upon that all the time, understanding that I was helpless to, to help to, to change my situation and Jesus intervened because he loved me and wanted me for himself. That's where we have to frame the cross. So I'm glad you brought up Romans 5.8. It's a fire one. Yeah. How do you know... Um if you have a good relationship with the Lord, like if you, how do you know if you really have a good view of God's love for you? Yeah, that's a good, well, what do you think? I think a good indicator, going to have to say it, is the secret place. Totally. Um, is what does your time with him look like? Right. And nobody will ever, you will never spend time with him unless you know how much he loves you. Yeah, there's no way. And trust me, your time with the Lord will be miserable, like tedious. You'll have to crucify your flesh to meet with your God. That's crazy. If you don't have a right view of his love for you and if you don't have a right view of your love for him. Yeah. But what I've really noticed is guys and gals, they don't really, they have like this crazy devotion for God. They just usually don't believe that God has a crazy devotion to them too. Yeah, that's good. Which, which then is what's crazy is and this is the hard truth, is that's not the kind of devotion he wants. Exactly. That's not the devotion he wants. Filthy rags. Right. Filthy, like actually filthy rags. He doesn't, like your 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 commitment and your zeal and your passion, That he doesn't want it if it's not done because you're loved. If That's where John says, we love because he first loved us. If you're not aware of God's love for you, 
what are you what motive are you doing things out of it's literally not possible for you to be doing them out of love it's so, not gonna last so what is it yeah what's the motivation what's the fuel and that's it's not what god's interested in like picture any other relationship like you're married to your spouse and you serve them and you go on dates with them but you don't like believe they love you what would that do it would make you so Insecure. Yeah, you're attached to them in an extremely unhealthy way. So bad. Yes, it's like terrible. really bad. Like you, that's how you become abusive, bro. That's yeah. that's how that starts. It's just deep insecurity, and that leads people to become controlling or whatever. Look like, at Anakin Skywalker. Exactly. It's true. It's so true. <laughs> bro was so insecure. Couldn't be on the council. Seriously. Well, the Jedi were corrupt. Yeah. And he deserved their love. Yeah. I love, him, but I love him. Yeah. Well, that's a hard situation. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but seriously, like it's, it is true. Um, in order to follow Jesus the way he intends, you've not that you need to have a complete understanding of God's love, which I don't, but it has to be the bro. It's the thing that keeps me up. You know, like it's, it's, a, it's the, I wake up every day and I'm excited about the day because I know he loves me. Like it's the core. I mean, I, I enjoy living. Yeah. It literally is the core of my, this is where like my obsession has become Psalm 63, three, I will glory. I will, my lips will glorify you because your love is better than life. How can David say something like that? Uh, it is either he's out of my mind or I've misunderstood what God's love is like. There's the only two options. And I don't think David's out of his mind because God was pretty stoked about David. Yeah. You know? Yeah. David also says in Psalms 19, it's a better day in one of your courts. No, it's in the eighties. I think it's like 80. Four or something like that. Oh gosh. No, not uh, four. It's I don't remember. Nine nineteen. One nineteen. No, it's, it's everything's in Psalm one nineteen. Well it's not in one nineteen. <clears throat> the better is a day in your courts. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh I have it written down like right here. Talk. I'll find oh, it. Yeah. Um David says it's better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Oh, Psalm eighty four ten. I was right. Psalm eighty four ten. Told you. That is not what you said. Um, replay it. Replay it. I... <laughs> edit it. Edit it out. <laughs> edit it out. Um, why? Yeah, how why? is that? How is that possible, bro? If even just do a survey of the Psalms, like if you just go through Psalm twenty-seven four, there's one thing he wants to do is be in God's house. That doesn't make sense. Psalm six. You have to love him. Go read Psalm sixteen, Psalm twenty-seven, Psalm eighty-four, Psalm seventy-three. Like just go down the line. Psalm sixty-three. Go go read. David has to be crazy or God's love is really awesome. Yes. And being loved by God is really cool. Like that, those are only two options. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because while we were sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. Like that, that blows my absolute mind that God actually cares about me. It's crazy. While I was still a filthy sinner. Yeah. Wretched and disgusting. Like and I you. still am. I'm just a wretched sinner. No. Nah, bro. I'm a saint. But th this is what's cool about Romans 5, 8, and we were kind of talking, I talked about this on Sunday, um, is God proved his love for me once once and for all. He Like, this is where we, the, the, the cross is the greatest proof of God's love of all time, of all time. So every day of my life, if I start to wonder, man, how does God feel about me? Communion. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, that's like probably a good idea, but I can, I mean, yeah, I, but I can just look back to the cross and go, Oh, Jesus did that for me. He did that for me. Yeah. He had me in mind. Like Jesus died because he knew that he would win me for himself, that I was the prize that made the cross worth it. What? That Jesus was willing to endure the cross because he wanted me that badly. Holy crap, dude. He talked about that. That that's like every day I can keep living and experiencing joy and peace because God feels that way about me. It's gnarly. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I want to read this verse. It, it's a little bit along the same lines. This is one of those verses that I read and it was offensive to me. Like, I was like, no, no, this can't be true. Yeah. And it's Old Testament. Take <gasps> that. Take that Marcion. None of you guys even know who that is. No, I take no like idea. 1600 years ago. But God had a son. He had a character change. God wow. changes in different dispensations. No, you are. That's bad, bro. Dispensationalist garbage. Cool. Facts. cool. Right. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 20. God says, Isn't Ephraim a precious son to me, a delightful child? Whenever I speak against him, I certainly still think about him. Therefore, my inner being yearns for him, and I will truly have compassion on him. Bro, this is crazy. So Ephraim is the nation of Israel. Like literally right before this, he's talking about them, sacrificing other animals to other gods and sacrificing their kids. 
Twice before this, he says, and you started sacrificing your kids, which I never even thought to ask of you. God says that to them. So they were on a crazy level. Their their government is corrupt. They're oppressing evil. There's all kinds of like horrific things happening. All kinds of sexual morality, just wild stuff. And God says, whenever I speak against you and discipline and rebuke you, I certainly still think about you. So the Psalm 139 thoughts that David talks about, where his, his thoughts for me are delightful and I cannot number them. Like the thoughts that never end. Those thoughts still remain, that God still thinks about me that way. Even, bro, and I've never sacrificed a single baby. Not even one. Not once. Never. Haven't, haven't even thought about it. Adrenochrome. Haven't even, bro, that's crazy. But the God still loves the royal family, even though he they does. keep killing babies and Fucking eating their brain juice. That's wild. Bro. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I never, I never once thought of having a kid and sacrificing my firstborn to Molech, the pagan god. El. You know, or Baal or Asherah. Whatever, you know, not, not even once, but the Israelites were doing that. And God still says that they're a precious son and a delightful child and that his inner being yearns for them. That is the craziest thing on planet Earth. God has an inner being and in it he can yearn for things. And of all the things that he could yearn for, he yearns for me. And do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what the the, the mega anti-God loves, God loves me person says to this? That doesn't apply to me. That's the Old Testament. Bruh! <laughs> Bro! Like what? Who said that? That's what. That's just what I used to say. People would read Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and I'd be like, "No, that doesn't apply to me. That's an old. That's a promise to Israel, bro. You ever heard of spiritual Israel? We no. are. We replace them. I'm kidding. No, nope. I'm kidding. No I'm Jewish theology, but we've no. been we've been grafted in. The, yeah. I was just reading. Um, you've been grafted in. Well, you're basically a Samaritan. You're Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Half seas. But I was just. I'm reading some early Christian writing, and uh, I was reading First uh, Clement. Clement of Rome. It's like a, he was a disciple of Peter. It's like right after. And he calls Jacob his father. He was a Gentile calling Jacob his father. So we're in there and these promises apply to me. In Jeremiah 31, 20, as much as it's about literal Ephraim, it's also about me as someone who's been grafted into the family of God. And God does feel that way about me, which is crazy that he yearns for us in his inner being. And he calls us precious children and precious sons or daughters and delightful children. It's crazy. And he thinks about us even when I'm being wayward and crazy. Anyway, God's love is just nuts. It's it's really cool. I think that's incredible. I want to go back to really that one vision that I had because it's wild, like the closing book of it. Um, like it's like the final word. Like the final word. You can't really argue with God about it anymore. No, 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 no. If he loves you, he does. It was the cumulation, cumulation, the objective morality. Bro, you know a few words, but those are not. (laughs) Those are not it. Those are not ones that you know. Um, The cumulation. What? The cumulation? Is that what you're trying to say? (laughs) Yeah. That is crazy, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Made it be like, what what book did you read that in? That's an inside joke no one will get. My roommate, what word did I say? What word did I say? You know everything, bro. No, but what word did I say? I don't know. made him say that. I don't know. We were at this dinner and Elijah said some fancy word. And my friend looked at Elijah and said, where'd you read that at? What book did so you? Awkward. Oh, what book did you read that in? And everyone quiet. Out of, out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> everyone bro, went so quiet. What was that? Okay. Anyways, the accumulation moment. Yeah. The cumulonimbus moment. Cumulonimbus. Um, <laughs> the was, nucleus of the cell. The Epidermis. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. All right. Um, the love of God is the powerhouse of my cells. Mm. Is that good or no? You need a you need a Bass Pro Shops hat and you'll fit in. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Repent of your sins. Burn all of your trucker hats. They look so stupid. It's bad. Yeah. All right. Pearl necklaces. Get rid of them. Wow. My, that's awesome, bro. Do you have one? Okay. I haven't worn one in wow. like two years because I'm an adult. <laughs> Some dude's taking off his necklace right now. Right now. <laughs> untwisting that thing. Those fake pearls. Yo, he bought a Goodwill Destin. or like PacSun or something. Yeah, yeah. Destin, Florida. All right. So. What do you know about Destin, bro? I've, I That's the only beach I would go to. That in Gulf Shores. Oh, Destin sucks. All right. Go. Yeah. So. The, the summary of the vision that I had really is adding up with what Elijah just said. Um, I was in my prayer closet. And again, it was, but this was about a year and a half after that first encounter I had with God, like in the Shire and me screaming at him and him just smiling. 
Um, you said you were in the Shire. It was kind of like the Shire. I didn't even catch that before. Um, not you know, it wasn't like Hobbiton. God took you to Middle Earth, and bro. If it's well, Lily was at the Bag Ends at Bag End. Bag End. Um, but I was in this beautiful valley, whatever, screaming at the Lord, "Why do you love me? Why do you love me?" And yeah, it was wild. About a year and a half later was when I was going through all this torment and stuff like that. It was about three months after the Lord said, Oh, David, don't you know that I died for you first? It's crazy. This stuff is a process. Like I said, there's no movie movie moment. There's no superhero. You get it. There's no training montage. Yeah. This stuff takes time um, to really believe it. Um, that God actually loves you and he doesn't really want anything from you and he didn't die to make you an employee. He just wants you. He just wants, which is crazy. I'm still trying to understand. Yeah, Probably it doesn't make will. any logical sense, but it's um, awesome. And I was in my prayer room, in my prayer closet, and I was taken back. I was literally weeping, asking God to take these tormented thoughts away. I'm like, God, I can't do this anymore. This is the craziest part. Um, I was clenching my fists for so long. For so, 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 so long. And it was the day that I said I couldn't do it anymore. And I just gave up. I'm like, God, I need you to do this. Which it's wild took me that long to really figure this out. Because, you know, the Bible talks about this. So you could avoid so much pain. But I'm it's the I'm I'm in my prayer closet and I'm weeping. I'm saying, God, I can't do this anymore. And immediately it was like my first vision in like a year and a half. I get taken back to the same place. But this time, instead of being 20 feet away from Jesus, sitting on that stone bench, I was like at his feet, which I don't know what that symbolizes. I think it's like sanctification, just getting closer to Christ. It's pretty cool. I don't know. It was really special in the moment. At Christ's feet, I, I don't see his face. It's kind of blurred out. But he reaches down and he shows me his hand with a hole straight through it. Um. I'm not going to get into the weird stuff like where his, his hand was pierced or whatever in his wrist between his two bones or whatever or through his palm. I don't really think that matters. I think the point of the fact that he was crucified. And at that moment, this is the, the craziest part. I'll probably talk about more details. But I get taken out of the vision and I start weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. One, because God told me something pretty intense. Um, but two... Because in that very moment, I got a revelation. And it was one of those things where it's like a rhema, which is a Greek word for basically a word that is talked to my heart. Like, it's not really, you know, when you like hear something from the Lord and you like, you tell your friend and like, oh, cool. But like it changed your life. Like that's a rhema. It's hard to explain, but I'll do my best. In that moment, I really realized that it was God's love for me and his, what was that verse? What did it say? His eagerness? No, no, no. His uh, yearning. His yearning. It's like in that very moment, God's yearning for me. That's what was going to keep me safe. And verses like Philippians 1, 6 verses like 1 Corinthians 1, I think verse 8. Um, that talk about, Paul says, in Hebrews 12, mm-hmm. um, author and perfecter of our faith. Right. Um, those verses, I'm still getting over. Because I have such this, just this passion for me to be in control for me to prove something because my entire life I've had to prove but what I didn't realize and what I realized in that moment when I got encountered the Lord and I realized that his love for me is the thing that's going to get me through because as soon as he showed me that like all my pain just left it was wild supernatural um, but it was when the Lord showed up not when I finally fought it off in Philippians 1 6 says he who began a good work and you will see it to completion God will see it to completion in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8 through like 10 I believe it's same thing he, he will complete it he will keep you safe into that day and in uh, Hebrews 12 yeah. um, it mm-hmm. says that he is the author and perfecter of our faith it's God in, in Isaiah 64 he is the potter we are the clay yeah Jude says the one who can keep us from stumbling what yeah which is crazy. And what? I didn't know it said that. <laughs> no, just kidding. What's Jude? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good right. book. Um, but it's crazy because for so long I have believed until recently that I had to earn it, that I had to fight for it. But it's God. Like, really, can we sit Isaiah 64, please, for a second? What does that mean? What does that mean? That we're, we're clay? And he's the potter? 
He's the one who's gonna. He's the he 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 began a good work in me. He began the good work in me. He will see it to completion. Yeah. What does that mean? He's the author and perfecter of our faith. That he's he's more concerned about you than you are. That what? Yeah. So what does this mean for the believer that God actually loves us? We are merely clay. We're clay, and he is the Potter. It's ridiculous. It's so crazy. What does clay? What does? What can clay do? Can clay say anything to the Potter? Unless I'm missing something here in like the exegesis and like not understanding how to understand the passage with hermeneutics and all that. No, it's true. What is the clay? Clay, clay cannot speak. Clay cannot give preferences. Clay cannot give clues. Clay is clay. Right. And he's the Potter. He, bro, it's blowing my mind. He began a good work in me, and he, and then he died for the clay. Then he died for the clay. But but the the clay never did anything to earn that. Like that's that's the because there's nothing I can do. There's there's not there's nothing I can do to merit it. He just he feels the way he feels about me. That's enough. And this is what I think speaks to um. There's this really popular modern Christian phrase that I think is um, that I think is garbage. Um, it's like really popular today. There's there's books about it. People say, and I, I understand the point, but it gets twisted the wrong way. And it's you're not enough, and that's okay. You're not enough for God, and that's okay. Um, like the the there is the truth where it's like, oh yeah, like I I there's nothing in me where I could have merited or earned or deserved the cross. But do I live with this constant mindset of Jesus? I know I'm not enough for you. No, that's not the point. He wanted me so bad, he died for me. And it, what it doesn't lead to is this crazy like prideful. I'm at the center of my Christianity. No, what that actually does is you're so honored and it's so baffling like that you're like, oh, Jesus, whatever you want the rest of my life, I'm yours and I'll do whatever you want because the love you have for me is so crazy. But I'm like, I am enough for him. And in like a weird, like, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but I'm, I'm what he wanted. I'm what he desired. He doesn't question whether or not it was worth it to get me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. I know that he does. He loves me like in a, in like a crazy way in, in a way that I can't even explain with words. I'm, I'm what he died for. Cause he wanted me. And then every day of my life, I get to continue to experience that love and in all of its forms, in every way that it looks, whether that be provision, whether that be discipline and rebuke, you know what I'm saying? But that, even when he does that for me, now that I understand his character, like I, I like to say that a lot of people know his word, but they don't understand his tone. Like they know what he says, but not how he says it. And you, you can miss so much of the Bible by missing God's tone when he says things. When he rebukes me, his tone, he said he's gentle and lowly. Hebrews 5 says that he deals gently with me. So if my understanding of God's rebuke is this thundering, I hate you voice, nope, not what God has told me that the way he's going to speak to me. Jesus says he's gentle and lowly and that because he took on weakness, he can deal gently with us and he can sympathize with me in every way. He's my high priest who gets me. You know what I'm saying? And so even when he rebukes me, he comes in love and says, my son, there's something better for you. My son, you've been settling, right? Like that's the rebuke, you know? The, like where he says to me, come on, dust me off, get up. Let's go, kid. Let's keep moving. Like this, these encouragements, you know? Like he doesn't ever beat me up and then kick me when I'm down. Even when I, even in the harshest rebuke, he picks me back up and sends me in the right direction. A bruised rod, he does not break. Right, because he's gentle, you know? He's, he's gentle. He's so kind and compassionate. He's got the closest, purest, most wonderful, beautiful love in the world. Here's, here's the, the modern, the, the, one of the failures when it comes to the love of God. One of the failures in our understanding as modern Christians. We believe the lie that God is not personal. That's what we believe. Despite the fact that he invented relationship, he invented intimacy, and he invented love. He's better at it than anybody else. But we believe the lie that God is not personal and that he's not intimate, which means we believe his love is not personal and his love is not intimate, that his love is more like a force or some weird arbitrary idea. His love is the thing that he feels towards us. His love is who he is. Like it's so much deeper than we realize. It, it's the greatest kind of love. So what we believe then is because we believe he's impersonal and not intimate, that we can find better loves than his. This is why Christians struggle with idolatry. This is why Christians, this is, bro, this is why Christians deal with, with sexual sin. 
that's bro that's how i got free of sexual sin that that was it pornography stopped this is so crazy bro it's critical pornography stopped being a struggle for me and not not that it wasn't overnight okay and there there was the you know outside like it's a process my point what about accountability partners brother tear your door off your wall and get a flip phone get a flip phone dude that'll stop your you need to get a flip phone you're raging yeah And it's, it's definitely not a heart issue. It's just access, which access is true and it's important and it's wise to, if your right hand causes you to sin, to cut it off. But there's a heart problem going on. Such a heart you problem. You don't know how God feels about you. Oh. You don't know how he feels about you. About how Testify. he thinks about you. Testify. All the time. Come on. That he looks at you with loving eyes. That Come you're on. so wonderful to him. That you're lovely to him because of his blood. Yes. Because he loves, what Ephesians 1 says, that you're his masterpiece. He loves the way he made you. He loves who you are. This God loves my personality. I don't care what anyone says. God loves my personality. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Are you he, sure? Psalm 2, 4. He thinks I'm sure? funny. Does God love your personality? Don't you have to change? I'm being sanctified, brother. But God loves my little quirks. He loves who I am. He loves me, bro, in an intimate, personal way, better than any human love I've ever received. I've been in a relationship before. I've been loved the way that girlfriends love you. God's love is closer than that. It's better than that, right? But right, like, you make me want to go like... Pray. You're, isn't it crazy? Yeah. When you're, a, when you're in a relationship, they know the little things about you. They know how to get you good gifts. They, they you know, you know what I'm saying. They know the, exactly the way you want to be loved. They, like, you know what I'm saying. God, like, actually, yeah, God. They get the little things about you. This is you. crazy. This is crazy. Now, this is swirly. Okay, this is swirly. But I really believe this was the Lord when I was like five years old, six years old. I'm not joking. I was in a library, like this janky old 2000s library, and I stumbled across Star Wars DVD. Yes, bro. I was just about to bring up Star Wars. That's so and funny. I'm not joking. I just, I literally, I picked it up. Me, my my dad didn't say anything. My mom didn't tell me you should watch this. I was walking and I saw the cover of The New Hope, and I saw the guy with blonde hair. I was like, oh man, this is cool. I have blonde hair, <laughs> whatever, right? And I picked it up and I watched it. I was like, oh my. Now, guys, I I have. I like Star Wars, yeah. um, and um, a lot. God, God knew the, this about me. Like three months ago, I was sitting on my bed just thinking about that. I haven't thought about this memory. I I didn't even know I had it for like fifteen years. No joke. Yeah. And I really no. <laughs> I really believe God when I was sitting when I was sitting on my bed, the Lord said, "David, I led you there." I knew you would like it. And I I literally I literally just began to weep. Isn't that crazy? Now I genuinely believe I know that sounds crazy and Elijah's laughing. No, it's valid. He's he's literally like making faces at me right now. Elijah, please stop. No. He wasn't making any faces. Um but I'm very mature. Uh oh all the time. Um but yeah, it just the Lord is, he knows me. I genuinely believe that was God. Is Yeah. Isn't it crazy? He can just do little things like that. Yeah. Like you don't think about it that way, but he loves in those little tiny ways. You know, I, you get these little kisses from heaven where God just does these little tiny things to, to just show us because he's just that interested in us. Like, I don't, it's crazy, bro. Who am I? That's where David says, when David says, what am I? What is man that you are mindful of him? Like, that isn't just a big existential question. Oh, listen, listen. Uh-oh, cut moment. I, I left my phone charger in uh, one of my friend's cars. And literally, this happened three days ago. And I was literally about to go to bed. And I'm like, oh, wait, my charger. And I run outside. And they're pulling out. And it was like it was like 1 a.m. And they're pulling out of the driveway. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Wait, wait, wait. My, my phone charger. As soon as they're about to go, it was perfect timing. I believe it was God. Providence, sovereignty. It Favor. was. <laughs> Elijah was. finds money on the ground Dude, so often. This is like I've had, bro. This is talk the about the planes yes. as well. The uh, wait, what? The the, the seats. The plane seats. Yes, it, dude. It's but you sound like a weirdo to everybody else. But in those moments, I don't know how to explain it. But it's like a little tap on tap on the shoulder from God, being like, "It was me." You know, we're like, who's my secret admirer that keeps making all these things go well? And it's, it's the Lord. Not, not, and not in this weird prosperity gospel cringe way where God makes all my dreams come true. He, he's my wildest dreams and I have him. And then, but anyway, so we, David and I were at the beach one time 
and we were walking back up from the beach going towards the car and right as we walked up on the sidewalk twenty dollar bill i'm telling you blew in the wind and landed at my feet and it just stopped and i was like yo acai <laughs> yeah we bought acai bowl and it was like during a time when i was really broke and it's just, bro it, little stuff like that happens and then bro i will pray going on to planes god please please let me get a good seat on this plane god i'm in a middle seat why are you evangelizing brother <laughs> i'm so bummed about this middle seat and then i'll get on the plane and i'm in the one row that nobody else is sitting in that is favor it happens that, all the time that is it happens all the time this dude I, bro. I have sat i have been assigned middle seats dozens of times i've probably sat in one maybe twice Maybe it just, but why? But why? Why does God like? But when your idea of God's love is cold and stoic and impersonal, you would think, no, that's not God. That's chance. Sorry, I think God is better than that. I that he's just rolling the dice on us. This and is crazy. This I think is crazy. he's involved. Yeah, I, I I remember I was on a beach trip and I ordered. We were. I was so hungry. I went to McDonald's. I got a Big Mac, just just a Big Mac, just meat and cheese, and I was like, man, I should have gotten more. I wish I got I wish I got chicken nuggets. And in my bag, they put like a 12-piece chicken nugget. Kiss from heaven. But here's the thing. I'm freaking out about it. I'm like, God is so good. I literally thought of this. And then they, they gave me 12 pieces of it for free. And a pastor looked at me and said, God doesn't care about that. No. Yeah. No. So that's not God. And I wonder how many times, maybe in your life, the person listening, has something just odd happened? Not a pastor, maybe, maybe, not to get swirly here, but maybe some just demonic stuff saying, that was just chance. Yeah. That wasn't God. Yeah. Yeah. God is, I, I, this summer, um, I was back in Ensenada, back in Mexico, and I had been really learning and and undoing these lies, I believe, about God being impersonal and him not being intimate. And, bro, it was like hearing voices. It was so crazy. I was trying to pray and hearing this voice being like, God isn't like that. God isn't close like you think he is. He's not that personal like you think he is. And I was like, what? What? Like crumbling, freaking out. Some Some Christians are as deceived as Muslims. Because they believe that God is too powerful to know personally. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it's so alive. I mean, when you, like, this is, this is, this is crazy. You, you actually miss the paradox of Christianity. And, and I did for years. You miss the beauty and the, the romanticism of Christian Orthodox belief. And this is what I'm getting at. I grew up learning about and reading about the holiness of God. And God is holy. Holy, and we will talk about the fear of God like pretty soon here, um, in another episode. But he's he's holy, like he's huge, he's indescribable, he's unbelievable. Like on another level, he's perfect, and he's so other. The paradox of Christianity is it's that God who took on flesh and came in the became dust with me and experienced life as dust, and that that God mysteriously somehow deals gently with me and is involved and is involved in the little tiny details of my life that is the paradox of christianity that i don't understand how a god that holy and that big and that mysterious can be involved in these things but i know he is and if you if if you your view of his holiness causes you to miss his his intimacy his intimate nature you miss the whole point of christianity he died according to romans 5 10 and 11 to restore friendship to you so that he could have you you could be his friend that was the whole point of course he's involved in these things because he's a good father who knows how to give good good give good gifts to his children right so his love is so close i want to i want to swing back around i didn't finish the point um and then we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up here in a second but this is how i got liberated and free from sexual sin from dealing with pornography was one day i just realized that god didn't hate me that he wasn't disappointed in me that he wasn't upset with me or tired of me, that he didn't regret saving me, that he loved me and forgave me, that he made me his righteousness, that I was made clean forever, forever. And I would never have to earn or beg for God's love, ever. 
that the way he feels about me is decided with finality. I can't undo that. That was the beginning of the journey of me for my heart to be completely gripped by him and totally changed was I realized how much I mattered to him. Um, and yeah, I think the way I would have interpreted everything we've been saying, bro, when I was like 15 was, oh, you're putting yourself at the center of Christianity. Christianity is about God. People who say those things, who have a rejection of this teaching, I'm serious, are, are the ones that end up living lukewarm, lukewarm lives. They're the ones that end up falling away. I'm serious. They're, that's how you become a Pharisee. Be, being driven to God by anything but His beauty and love. Being the fuel and the motivation for you to follow Jesus if it's not, oh, how He has loved me and what it's like to be loved by Him. Th then what is it? What is it? You're a performer. You're a worker. You're an employee. And that's not what He died for. That wasn't His point. And so... I don't know. This this can this is an offensive teaching to a heart that's been hardened to this concept that doesn't believe these things about God. But he wants to soften every single one of us and bring us back to the really simple, beautiful truth that he loves us. He loves us. And that we could never get over this. That every day I am experiencing Jesus' love on a crazy level in a way that I never thought I could. And my eyes have been open to see just a glimpse of what that love is like. And it's the best thing I've ever found the best thing on planet earth like david says not this david king david is better than life so i'm done what do you got well you're probably like the best friend to ever have in someone's life because i think every time i talk to you i just want to go pray more <laughs> i'm just like oh wait god you do love me it's so awesome it's so epic um really grateful for you to be joining me in 15 episodes that I signed you up for. Yeah, did not agree to that. Guys, thank you for listening. Um, hey, we should send them off. If you if you know that... Um, we'll see you next week. No. See you later. Wait. Don't do this to me, bro. <laughs> Wait, guys, come back. Come back. If, if you see in your heart and recognize that you have misunderstood God's love, what would you say they should do? Really quickly. One minute. Th th I don't know. 30-second answer. Yeah, 30-second answer. <laughs> I would say this. There's not really a 30-second answer um, for you. I think that... Okay, so... I think that we so should have another just, hour. You, oh. No, I'm kidding. Wow. Okay, <laughs> genuinely, what you need to do is repent Yeah. and say, Lord... Because it's unbelief. It's un that's all it is is unbelief. It's unbelief. That's all it is. Because you can't. You have go read the gospels. Yeah. Go read the Bible. Stop listening to certain preachers. <laughs> that is so funny. And preachers that you listen to guilt yourself so that you can feel like you've done a good enough job of repenting that make you hate yourself. And get this. Go pray and say, God, what are you what are you saying about me? And maybe walk in the fact and maybe even try to believe, God, do you actually love me? Yeah, and I, I cannot guarantee a magical encounter and you cannot chase some voice or some magical encounter. You can't chase all these things. But get this. Maybe the fact is you just need to repent for unbelief and be, just be more aware. Yeah. The fact that God loves you because his love hasn't changed. He's still been loving you. You just haven't been recognizing it. Yeah. Really, really easy. If you find yourself in your heart, you don't feel the love of God. You don't believe that he loves you. You repent for not believing that. You just say really simple. Jesus, I am sorry that I don't believe you love me. I'm sorry that I doubt the things that you have shown me clearly in the word, that my heart is hardened towards them and I'm having a hard time believing this. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your mercy and your patience. And then here's what you got to do, guys. You got to take authority as a believer and resist the devil so that he will flee from you. You rebuke the devil for lying to you about God. And I know that sounds crazy and weird. I do it all the time. It's changed my life. I audibly would say, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You cannot lie to me anymore. And then I want you to announce and say and like say to yourself the truth that you're choosing to believe instead. So you're walking in unbelief about the truth. What are you choosing to believe? I believe God loves me. 
I believe Jesus loved me enough to die for me. I believe I'm important to him. I believe he's not mad at me. I believe he won't change his mind about me. And go on and on and on. And do, do that model every single day until something changes. And dwell upon the scriptures that speak to the love of God. Read Romans 8, chapter 38. Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. Not just Romans 7. Right. That's a longer conversation. That's a set, That's two episodes. That's in a row. five episodes. You've made vague Romans 7's jokes. But we've kind of hit at a lot of what your point is. Um, you know, read Psalm 103. Just read these scriptures and let them speak to your heart. Let the Lord just embrace you through his word. Um, anyway, and it's a journey. You'll get there. I know it's hard, but you'll get there. Tell everybody I'm on my way. Brother Bear. Best Disney movie ever. It's Big Brother Bear. I've, that's not even the title of the movie. It's not Big Brother Bear. It's Big Brother Bear. That's very weird that you're saying that. No, it's not. Kenai! Coda!